Welcome to this week's edition of the St. Paul Podcast. I'm Peter Marty, Senior Pastor of St. Paul Lutheran Church, located in the heart of Davenport, Iowa. Right here each week, you can hear a message to inspire your walk with God and hear beautiful music to fill your life. Let this podcast be your occasion to contemplate some of the deepest things in life, just as I hope it helps faith come alive for you. Testament, there are a lot of references to Jesus coming again. Part of that is due to the common belief among many first century believers, including the Apostle Paul, that the resurrected Christ would appear back on earth in some form very soon. In fact, quite likely, even before that particular generation of people had died. Well, we know now that didn't happen, but still, the profession of faith in most Christian traditions is that Christ will come again. It's in different creeds of the church, it's in communion liturgies of various congregations, and it's in other places as well. But what does it mean for you to say or to trust that Christ will come again? And, as importantly, if that is a conviction of faith, well then what does it mean to get ready for that? or to be on alert for that, or to stay awake for that coming. These kinds of terms and phrases and ideas of the New Testament are all there, and I'm going to have you thinking about them this morning. But first, this reading from St. Mark's Gospel account, the 13th chapter, beginning at the 24th verse. Jesus said, In those days, after that suffering, the sun will be darkened, and the moon will not give off light, and stars will fall from the heavens, and the powers in the heavens will be shaken. Then 
people will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory. He will send out the angels and gather his elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of heaven. For the fig tree learn its lesson. As soon as its branches become tender and puts forth leaves, you know that summer is near. So also, when you see these things taking place, you know that the Lord is near, at the very gates. For truly I tell you, this generation will not pass away until all these things have taken place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. But about that day or hour, no one knows, says Jesus, neither the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Be aware, keep alert, for you do not know when the time will come. It is like a man going on a journey, when he leaves home and puts his servants in charge, each with their own work, and he commands the doorkeeper to be on the watch. Therefore, keep awake, for you do not know when the master of the house will come, in the evening, or at midnight, or at cockcrow, or at dawn, or else he may find you asleep when he comes suddenly. And so what I say to you, I say to everybody, keep awake. So reads this little passage in the 13th chapter of Mark's Gospel account. But now let's dive into how we might live, given this conviction that, in fact, Christ will come again. Somehow, sometime, someday, Christ will come again. Take a listen. Well, if you have ever house sat for anyone, you know that you do more than just tend to the house or the property. You're also inside of your head tending to the homeowner whom you can't quite forget because even though he or she may not be technically present, they're all over your head. And I suppose in this day and age, uh, there's cameras even that you worry, might there be a camera watching me house sit? In our first year of marriage, Susan and I, we house sat for um, one of my professors at Yale for three weeks who was gone in Europe lecturing. And it was a pretty sweet deal. We thought this was a marvelous sort of experience, at first, at least. Compared to our little dinky apartment in the city, it was heaven. This was a sprawling home, deep in the woods. You couldn't even see another house. It was so remote. The couple had told us we could use anything, make ourselves at home, use the food, Use the appliances, wash your clothes, park your car in the garage. We took them seriously. We let our clothes pile up in the master bedroom. We opened up a couple of bottles of wine of theirs on different nights. Our self-imposed take-off-the-shoes-for-the-white-carpet thing, after a few days, that was over. And we even planned a kind of modest party for some of our friends from school. There came a point in time, however, when we realized that we needed to stop pretending as if this was, in fact, our home. We knew the weekend when the couple was coming back. We didn't have their flight itinerary, but we knew the weekend when they were coming back. And, and pressure kind of mounted as that weekend got closer. The tension just kind of rose. 
we took some of the more anemic-looking plants and we moved them to the one room where there was some sun coming in the window. And I remember vividly we put little index cards in the rooms to mark which plant goes where. We tried to remember at least most of the big stuff that we had eaten from the pantry because it seemed only fair to replace it. And we cleaned fanatically. It all worked out fine, as I recall, but I remember not, it not being very relaxing because it was indeed more than house-sitting. We were constantly dealing with these homeowners inside of our heads, wondering what they would think or what they would see once they were back home. I'm telling you about this house-sitting experience because... We read some scripture today, and we always try to ground the preaching here in the Bible. We read some scripture today where Jesus tells this story about the Son of Man, that would be Him, returning, much like a homeowner who's been away for a while and comes back. It's a bit of a confusing passage, so if you have ever been led to believe or led yourself to believe that the Bible is just really easy to grasp, and it's only your ignorance that gets in the way and prevents you from grasping it, well, get rid of that idea right now. Because in one sentence, Jesus says, the coming of the Son of Man is going to be very soon. In fact, it's going to be before this generation of you people dies. In the next sentence, he says, Nobody knows what hour or day the Lord will return. Not even the angel in heaven, the angels in heaven, nor the Son of Man. We don't know. Only the Father knows. Which is it? Is it known? Is it soon? Or is it unknown except to the Father? All I know is that we just keep professing this fundamental reality that we take as a conviction of faith that is repeatedly witnessed in Scripture, that we sometimes speak at the, at the Lord's Supper table, Christ has died, Christ is risen, Christ will come again. Well, here's the specific passage of that, the, the, the segment of that passage that refers to this uh, homeowner incident. Jesus says, be aware, keep alert, for you do not know when the time will come. It is like a man going on a journey when he leaves home and puts his servants in charge, each with their own work, and commands the doorkeeper to be on the watch. Therefore, keep awake, for you do not know when the master of the house will come in the evening or at midnight or at cockcrow or at dawn, lest this master of the house find you asleep when he comes suddenly. What I say to you, I say to everyone, keep awake. If I were to alter just a f very few words in that little parable of Jesus, I would be talking about my fifth-grade classroom from childhood. Because every time our teacher would go down the hallway, you know, to run off some worksheets in the ditto machine. Anybody remember the ditto machines? This is pre-photocopying the purple ink that we all love, that intoxicating smell of. She'd go down the hallway uh, to run off some ditto copies, and all hell would break loose in the classroom. 
the place erupted into basically anarchy. And we'd, there were flying objects everywhere, and we had these, the, the, the old clear sleeve Bic pens, and we, used, we shot spitballs all over the place from these little caches that we had in our desks. At the door, we posted Jimmy Yates. Jimmy's desk was closest to the door. He had a pretty good sense of hearing. He knew the, the two pairs of shoes that Mrs. Johnson wore. He, he kind of had her gait figured out, the rhythm of her steps. And as soon as she was coming even close, he'd say, she's coming. And just seconds before she'd walk in the door, you know, we were back at our assignment, looking dutifully as if we were all put together. Our, our fake work ethic never really fooled her, and I'm not entirely sure why we thought it would, except that in our delightful sort of missense, misplaced sense of freedom, we pretended to forget that she was the head of the classroom. We knew that she'd return. We were certain she'd come back. We just mistook the role of watching for her with the responsibility of doing our assignment. This reading from Jesus, it's, it's kind of confusing, and it's kind of dark. The first section of it's apocalyptic. The sun's going to grow dark, the moon's going to grow dim, there's going to be these stars plummeting from the sky. I actually think it kind of works in, in an, as an Advent reading in December because the sky just gets darker and darker and between now and the solstice, and by December 21, we just have maybe nine hours of daylight. So it kind of works. But I don't think Jesus is out to scare us, either here or in any other passages of Scripture. He does not say, watch out, as if you've got something to fear. He just simply says, watch. Stay on the lookout. Keep awake. And moreover, he doesn't speak about the one coming as being an enemy. He speaks of this one as a friend. Keep awake. Because whenever the master of the house or the teacher of the classroom returns, that signals the end of some sort of life you probably have grown accustomed to. Maybe that careless freedom that we thought we had, the taken-for-grantedness, the notion that the house was ours to keep. Sometimes I think it's the notion that our friends will never die or that we won't. We know in our heads, intellectually, they will die. But it's just a lot to absorb when it happens unexpectedly. I think about this a lot. Every time a member in this congregation dies, there's like a traumatic end to a relationship for so many of us. They're here one day, and they're just not here the next. And we know there's some dreams unfulfilled. We wish we had certain conversations that we never quite fit in. And I don't know about you, but I've sort of taken to going through my email archives and my log of text messages and occasionally a voicemail because I want to know the last thing that we communicated or the last thing that she said or the last thing that he wrote. We know the end is coming for the lives of our best friends. It's called death. And we know the hour and the date can't be predicted but I think it's the absolute hardest thing in the world to take all of this reality to heart. 
Because no matter how much we try to seize the day, you know, maximize every minute, no matter how many notes of gratitude or words, expressions of thanks we share, the shortness and the uncertainty of life just grabs us by the throat. And we wonder, we wonder if we were just sleeping through the knowledge that they could go any time and we weren't awake. Jesus says, what I'm saying to you disciples, I'm saying to everybody, keep awake. Please don't go to sleep on me. Stay alive to everything that life brings you or offers you or asks of you. That's your job. The best way, I think, to be awake or on watch is for you and I to do everything we're supposed to do every day. What are you supposed to do for your household, for this world, for the sake of others? Just hear Jesus. Please, please don't go to sleep on me. Yesterday we had a funeral here. There was a marvelous funeral luncheon served by some of you gracious people, and there was a ton of food left over. I mean, we could have fed the entire Iowa Hawkeye football team, I'm pretty sure. Well, our blessed Jan Bush uh, realizes that uh, we can give this food away. That was the family's desire. But Cafe and Vine, which feeds the communities hungry, closes at 1 o'clock on Saturdays. So she remembers that uh, Jim Keller, whose wife died this past summer and also had a similar luncheon, she remembers talking to Jim that he's part of Cafe on Vine, he's connected with it. She calls him up. He comes over to church here from Bettendorf, races to get that food down to Cafe on Vine in time for people to benefit from it. It's marvelous. That's called high alert living by some of the people in the pew right next to you. When Jesus says, please don't go to sleep on me, this is all he's asking for. For us to stay alive to everything that life asks of us and that the world needs from us. Let me close with this image. And it's from our own family. When our daughter Rachel was three years old, and she couldn't tell the time, we lived in Kansas City. But when we'd prime her for that probably twice annual day a year when Grandma and Grandpa would come from Chicago, she was all ready. It was one of her favorite days to stand by our living room window there in Kansas City, her chin barely reaching the windowsill, and waiting for Grandma and Grandpa to arrive. Hours would pass. She'd go back and forth, keep checking that window to see if they had made it. Why'd she do that? Because she knew the love they were made of. She remembered how special it was to have them present. She was certain that she wanted to be in their company. It never, it never mattered when they came. It didn't matter how they came. The only thing that mattered was that they came. And that promise that Susan and I had given to her made the waiting tolerable. She was on high alert. She was wide awake for the joy of their presence. Please don't go to sleep on me, says Jesus. Just keep doing the things that the world needs you to do. 
and that bring life to other people. And you'll be just what I hope you'll be, ready for my coming. Amen. invite you to pray with me as we say, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Save us from the time of trial and deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours now and forever. Amen. Well, friends, just keep doing the things you need to do in your days and that bring life to other people, and you will be as ready as you can be for Christ and for Christmas. May the Lord bless your week. Amen. I hope you've enjoyed this podcast. And thanks for your support of the ministries of St. Paul Lutheran Church. Our commitment to projects that lend hope to other people stretches across the country and around the world. We hope that in a good way you feel a part of that reach. Tune in next Thursday for another edition of the St. Paul Podcast.